I know why you're here. You want to know the cookie secrets? Don't get shy now. Join me here to learn all about the cookie. From self-love to self-pleasure. I'm here to get you excited about the cookie. Let me show you through my own journey how hemp and cannabis can help you reconnect with your body after trauma. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe for updates on what we do at Toki Streets. Come back to learn more about the secret of the cookies. We'll be waiting. I am, of course, the owner of Toki Streets, and I started my business after I joined the military so that I could um, bring my own trauma, I guess, to, what's the best way to explain it? Like, my trauma put me inward, like, took me really inward, and the only thing I could think is I needed a, a community, and I didn't know how to connect to women who had gone through the same thing as me, mm-hmm. um, and Cookies, uh, cookies are, you know, let me start at first because there's a lot. (laughs) I don't know how much you know. (laughs) My followers are like, what in the world? Okay, so basically um, I had a trauma, a sexual trauma when I was inside of the military. And Mm -hmm. when I got out of the military, I had to rediscover and learn myself all over again. Um, from the fav- my favorite colors to everything. And I was completely lost because even before that, social, like being social wasn't my thing. I've always been introverted. So I didn't know how to connect with people. I put up flyers, mm-hmm. I had everything trying to get people out here and nobody was responding. So with my business, my main focus is teaching women how to love on themselves after trauma, like to really like just fall in love with the person that you are authentically yourself so that you can actually be authentically yourself in front of everyone. And you're just walking through life with ease. So that's what this podcast is about is teach is creating a platform so that women can be authentically themselves so that Mm -hmm. other women Um, young women, older women can come and listen to this and say, wow, there's somebody who's just like me. (laughs) Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I I understand that part of the story. I totally get it. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what I want. And it's really just simple. It's informal. It's not is not perfect. And I love that about my, uh, about my stream. I had an event called Please Shut Up and Eat a Cookie mm-hmm. in Braddock. It was a bunch of people that came and the youngest person was 16. The older person was about 60 something. And it was just the most, it was beautiful because everybody who came seemed to have a really good time and the conversation was just flowing. Um, I think that a lot of people were educated but more than anything, it was a group of women who were educating each other. Mm-hmm. I, was educa- I wasn't doing any educated. I was just listening and learning just like everyone else. Um, so like my, the biggest thing for me is making those connections, you know, making that connection. And I saw on your own, you know, your own platform, you do so much on your stuff. You, girl, I tell, talk about you all the time with your writing. <laughs> Um, because I was definitely following those newsletters when you were writing them. So I, I definitely, and your, you know, uh, your book and just everything. And um, and we're going to get into that a little bit later too, about all the things that you do. But for now, I want you to tell me a little bit about um, 
you know, what got you here? Who are you? Uh, you know, what got you to where you are right now? All right. Um, I've always been in love with writing to the point where, well, books. It all started with books. Um, I practically grew up in the Braddock Library. I lived in the Braddock Library because at the time it was our after school program. It was also our, our day camp. So they fed us at least two meals a day. <laughs> I spent most of my childhood just roaming the Braddock Library. And then when I got old enough, I was a latchkey kid. So there was this, I, I'm the only girl amongst brothers. And when I would get on my brother's nerves, he, he, he'd be like, go read a book. Because <laughs> I liked reading books so much. And then one day I said, I read them all. Because <laughs> I had truly read all the books that I had at my, on my person. So he was like, go write one. And I was like, something clicked in my head. But I guess before then, I didn't realize you could write a book. So I was like, I'm going to try that. So I did actually write a book. It, it was really terrible. Um, <laughs> I was walking around my pappy's house selling poems for a nickel, and I would draw little doodles on them. And it was so hilarious because we had so many generations under one roof at one point that I was just walking around just like, here, I wrote a poem. Give me a nickel. I guess that wasn't really, that wasn't really selling. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so after that, I guess I got sucked into fan fiction, which turned into joining a bunch of fan fiction websites at the time. And um, for those who don't know, what is fan fiction? Can you explain that to uh, viewers? Okay. Fan fiction is, I guess it stands for fantasy fiction, and it's hilarious. But um, B2K was all the rage. That was my boy band. I had B2K wallpaper. So I would write stories and I would put B2K in the stories. And there was just a bunch of other girls who was writing B2K fan fiction and we would be in the chat. During, this was like MSN AOL chat times, like MSN groups. So I was like, I'm going to make my own MSN group. And I, I did the coding and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And fan fiction turned into let's write novels. I started <laughs> writing novels. And then I started publishing my own novels after um, I joined a publisher and she wanted to take 50% of everything. And it, I was like 50% and you're not even like, you're not even editing nothing. So I was like, I came back after being a flight attendant and I was like, I could publish my own book. Let me figure this out. So I published my first book of poetry and it was called Return to Cinder. And it was actually on the top, it was in the top 50 Amazon the week that it dropped. So I was like, kudos, especially for no marketing. <laughs> I had no marketing plan. I was like, I just want to publish a book. And then I followed up a few years later with um, a second poetry book. It's called American, American Folk, no, American Hurt. It's about Americans' folks. And I guess years later, I'm now at, I help people publish books and I don't take any of their royalties. And I'm at book like 14 now. So. Yes. Um, let's yes. Just, let, let me just give you your roses now. Yes. <laughs> That's 
amazing, girl. That is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> Thank that is you. amazing. I actually, um, it's a crazy story. When well, I always wanted to be a writer. I was like really big into writing and poem poetry when I was growing up. And when I went to college, my first college, this little community college I went to before I went to the military, we had a magazine. My thing was I wanted to be, I wanted to write a magazine. So I had a magazine called Ebony and Ivory, and I would distribute it in my college. And it would just have like little information in there about the college, some little tidbits. And uh, one of my friend, a friend and I, we also did uh, the radio station. Communications was really big for me. I wanted to be a newscaster. I went to the school to, to be a newscaster. But what happened was once I really started getting into communications and writing and things, I realized that I didn't like writing that much. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I was okay at it. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. okay. I was, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't a passion. It was just a, a a quick hobby and I still look at my writings now and I'm like dang man I, I could have done some with this but just the motivation wasn't there so I'm, I'm truly inspired by you keeping going because I know that road could be so hard there's so many of my friends who are trying to get published and, yes. and you know, stuff like that and yeah the the road to actually having a book out there um, can be hard you, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, foxes <laughs> a lot of people trying to be sly um but yeah, you talked about like your younger self and going into the library and library being your safe haven. Um, I think that means you went to, we're, we're, well, we went to the same school district for a while. Uh, and when I was in high, well, middle school, I remember that was my spot, even in elementary school. But instead mm -hmm. of going to library my library was the Edgewood library mm -hmm. and I lived there <laughs> like mm -hmm. I lived there I me and one of my really good friends she's in Virginia now she uh, shout out to Didi she is the same way we lived in the library um and I wanted to be a librarian and all that good stuff so words were really important to me as well can you tell me a little bit about though about your younger self about the person that you were uh even like when you got that first library card, um, you know, I did you? I guess younger me didn't really know who she was yet. Um, it's so funny. Um, the only constant like growing up is you're forever evolving and you're forever like trying to get to know yourself. But that constant was always books, like mm -hmm. traveling places through books. And younger me got picked on a lot yes it was like elementary me got picked on a lot because of my darker complexion but books have always been like oh like I loved books I was like this is this is a part of my personality like it's it's a core part of my personality and after I was bullied I, there was a little part of me where I was like still trying to find out who I was and where I was and I would I guess after getting over being bullied, it took, I guess I didn't get over it because people bullied me and then I bullied people that did not bully me. And it was just <laughs> like a cycle for a while I until I realized, like, I guess I took a mediation. They put us in these mediation classes and it was supposed to be a peer mediation class. It was supposed to be like, oh, you could leave your class to go join this group of people in this room and they taught us peer mediation tactics. This was like, when I say 
Well, it's not middle school because I realize a lot of people don't have intermediate schools like Woodland Hills had. Yeah. We had an intermediate school and it was at that mm -hmm. intermediate school where they're like, we're going to teach you guys paramediation. It turned out <laughs> it might have just been the, the bad kids at the time. They're like, we're going to teach you how to mediate. Yeah. And I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize they were trying to teach us how to deal with our own conflicts and not... And it was under a ruse that they were teaching us how to mediate other people's conflicts. But it helped me deal with a lot of my internal conflicts mm, that yeah. I, I hadn't even realized that. They did that really sly if that was the intention. I was like, oh. That most likely was the intention. <laughs> all of you in the room. It was mostly like, yeah, let's grab all of the M together and we'll just teach them how to handle their emotions and handle their <laughs> anger. <laughs> <laughs> like it's funny how we have Jordan, we have a lot of uh little things in common and yeah definitely and but i i want to say this you you hit on something about you know one of your younger insecurities of being a darker darker skin you know that is i think a lot of a, a lot of my friends that have complexion similar had the same issue where that was uh it was a journey to learn how to love themselves through that and I just, it, it pisses me off because mm -hmm. even when I was younger, myself, I wanted your skin mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanted to be darker skin. I have a best friend and I wanted that. I thought she was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. all so I hated the fact that that was a thing, you know, that was even a, a, th a thought, you know, and and we can go back into our younger years and we can dive into mm -hmm. all the ridiculous things that people would tease us about that didn't make any sense, but I just and never reflecting about it. The cool thing about being able to have the words to reflect on it now, mm -hmm. I wrote about it in one of my poems. I said, being, being a young woman is hard enough to build a self-esteem before you even have an opportunity to do stuff, to build said self-esteem. You gotta get through that whole, I gotta build a foundation and I'm starting way behind because mm -hmm. Your self-esteem is so low when people, you come home crying because people were picking on you in an elementary school. Like I, do, um, I dealt with colorism before I dealt with racism. I don't think I dealt with racism until like years and years later because you don't even know what racism is as a kid. That's so powerful. Woo, that was powerful. You guys, do you hear that? A hundred, right? That's that's crazy. That is powerful. The fact that you are saying, like, you dealt with, you know, colorism before racism, even where we live at. Thinking, think about where we live, <laughs> where we stay, and and that being before racism is very interesting. Learning to love the skin you're in is truly, truly a journey, you guys. It's like one of the, I think, you know, I'm, th I'm 37 now and I think I'm, I didn't really start truly loving my skin, loving who I am until I was like 35. And I think that has to do with your, you're dealing with the trauma of maybe the bullying or the stuff that the insecurity stuff, then you come to a point and you're like, okay, this is who I am. Right. And mm -hmm. then have to like almost redefine who you are you have to create your your real identity the authentic you because before that you weren't being authentically yourself you were living in in a trauma you know and people don't think that's trauma but it, it really is you know you're always 
your navigation is always reacting and you're not really, you're, you're just coasting at that point. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. no direction mm-hmm. when it comes to building that house that's supposed to house your self-esteem. Yeah. I think it and was work- 29 is when, 29, it was around 29 when I fi- figured out like, hey, I'll never have everything figured out. There will always be a little bit of chaos in your life. And as long mm-hmm. as you accept those two things and you know who you are at that point, like you, I said it, I was like, yeah, 21 year old me would not probably not get along with 33 year old me. <laughs> I say I think that all the time. Mm-hmm. We definitely wouldn't. <laughs> we would not be friends at all. That's but I also think that's what's really hard, Sherday, is that we have to be friends. It's like working with a coworker that we don't mm-hmm. really get along with, but we have to learn to get along with them. Yourself and your younger self, it's like that. It's like I don't really, I don't really mess with her, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tolerate her. Hey, what's up? Hi. <laughs> like that's that's how my relationship with my younger self. It's like I know you're there, but I don't like you. <laughs> like, yeah. like, <laughs> like that's my life. Um, can you tell me, um, I guess, like, let me see where I want to take this. So how do you, what are things that you allow or that you do to fall in love with yourself? You know, how do you, I ask this question a lot on my stream is how do you, uh, self-love? You know, we dealt, we talked about the trauma and the, and, you know, what we have to go through. And people always think like when it comes, when I say trauma that I mean, or when I say sexual trauma, that I mean sexual, like, I mean, like having sex. Right. But when I talk about sex, sexual trauma, I'm also talking about being okay in your body. Right. And just Mm -hmm. being able to love the skin you're in. There's, it's such I think that is so much broader than what people think. So how did you learn through all of that to fall in love with yourself? What was that point like? It was, it took a lot, I guess, writing. Like there's some writings that people have never seen. And I write like, I'm like, oh, someone, even if no one reads this, I'm going to write it because it's like therapy for me. Writing because words have always, help power for me and how I came to authentic uh, like love myself genuinely love myself is I started to realize like hey this is the only body I have like just going through that don't like not being too hard on myself and giving myself grace like instead of setting goals monthly goals I set monthly intentions instead of a to-do list it's like I intend to do these things but it's not the end of the world if I don't get them done. Like giving myself a lot of grace and not competing with like, hey, this is what this person has. I just keep watering myself, as cliche as that sounds. Just keep watering myself. And don't worry about what so-and-so has going on because you don't know what chapter they're on in their book. Mm. You know, I know what I've been through, but I don't know they what they got going on, what they had to get through to get to where they are now. Like, give myself some grace to make mistakes because I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and I'm like in this I'm like in this era of life where I'm like just enjoying like I've made so I've I failed so many times but without those failures I wouldn't be where I am now and whether it's a failure or whether it's a win it's all a really great writing experience it always it makes for really great writing material 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I guess a lot of people struggle with that because social media is just everyone's highlight reel. You don't see those failures. No one's shining light on their failures. So I'm like, yeah, I, I failed at being a flight attendant. Like I quit being a flight attendant. I didn't want to do that anymore. And it took me a while to find something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's so, that's, that's the, that's, I think that's everyone. I think it, I think that in our early twenties, we have like, oh, we should know it like right away. And we should kind of uh, be this perfect person or whatever. It, you know, a book comes to mind. One of my favorite hands down, number one top book of all times is The Giver by Lewis Lowry. Have you ever mm-hmm. read it? No, you have. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's my favorite book of all times because of the way that they explain our process, right? Of how we become who we are. Mm-hmm. And they explain it, the way they explain it is like, they have all of these people kind of deciding what this individual is gonna do for the rest of their lives. But at the same time, they're also doing things. So like for for me, I looked at it like I was doing everything. I was doing all the jobs, all Mm -hmm. of the jobs when I was younger. Like I I could, my resume is like crazy. I've done everything, but I didn't know where I was supposed to be. I didn't know what where I was supposed to land until I say around early, early, late 20s, uh, early 30s. And then I was like, okay. I think I have, I think I got my footing a little bit, but before that, no way. I didn't know anything. And that brings me to my, to my uh, next point of like, how do we get connected to these young women, women in our community? And, you know, so that they don't, so that they can have an easier transition into womanhood not saying that they're not a woman but for you know that that transition that happens you know mm-hmm. how we connect these women it's what is funny. The- a good way to do that is you know how people walk around and say hey that's setting someone up for failure but we never talk about like what happens after you fail like if we were to celebrate each other's failures like everyone celebrates wins people wouldn't put so much pressure on um not wanting to fail. I love that. Celebrate your failures. Um, now, I know that you were, I, I'm not sure if you are anymore um, working with the women in our community or if you have some type of connection with the women in our community now. Are you connected with the, any of the young women here or doing any programming here? Not anymore. I used to help with girls, right? <clears throat> But okay. the pandemic happened and that chapter never came back. Okay. So the uh, I am I am interested to see how and you're closer to the you're closer to the like I think in the schools and stuff like that. If there's any programs for the women or for any of the youth that is talking about uh, you know loving yourself or self love or anything like that. Um, no, this- not currently, not on our part of town, I don't think. There's nothing like that. Not that I've heard of. It might exist, but not in Braddock. Yeah, so like for me, I feel like there should, like with mental health being such a huge, huge thing, not, not just right now, but even before the pandemic, okay? Mm-hmm. 
people suffering from mental health, uh, going through their own traumas. And then now they're, you know, now there's this COVID and everything's going on, people are in their house and it's even more. How are we as women, uh, you know, and then they're going through their own traumas. How are we as women teaching our, these young women how to love on themselves? If there is a, a young woman who has uh, uh, insecurities about her skin or her darker skin, how are we loving on them? You know, how are we doing that? What's a way that we can actually start doing that? You should create something. You, you should create something to foster that in the community. That would be really cool to see women come together, especially, it doesn't have to be black women, but to see black women come together to help each other grow and water each other. <laughs> did you hear, did you hear about the event I had um, here at the, at the gallery? Yes, I did. Okay. So this, this event, I'm, I plan on having another one here in the next couple months. Uh, and I have a lot of things that I, I feel like I can do better, but I am going to have another one because I thought that that was a way to kind of communicate to uh, our community about really connecting with women and empowering them. Mm -hmm. um, I, talk, I talk about all, all the time about, do you know the skin that you're in? Do you know who you are? Like, mm -hmm. I say that, I mean, like, if do you touch your own skin do you give yourself hugs do you celebrate your failures like you said are you celebrating your wins like I find myself this year I started doing this and I'm probably late on the train but this year I really started sitting down and taking some time it's on my uh, Alexa every uh, I think it's like five o'clock every day mm -hmm. I have to take five minutes to congratulate myself for my wins like oh yeah you really did mop that floor. Good job. You, you really did put away the groceries today. Oh, like, you know, like little stuff. Yes. And I do that. And I've been getting into a habit of making sure that I celebrate those wins. So one of the things that I, I want to do is very soon I'll be moving to DC. So I'll be, in, I'll be a dual resident, dual state mm -hmm. resident here at in DC. And the reason why I just can't get rid of this area is because this is still home, home for both of us, right? So mm -hmm. I always want to come back and uh, support my community first. So I'm going to stay out there to do work as far as my business stuff. And my business is here too, but I want to do a lot of community events and stuff here. Mm -hmm. It's been hard because getting to know women in this community, getting to know people, and it seems like if you're not from here, it can be very difficult getting into those right circles and stuff um, mm -hmm. to kind of promote what I, what, you know, what I'm trying to do with the women. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to discuss is, or wanted to go over is the moment where I fell in love or the moment where people fall in love with themselves, right? And what does mm -hmm. that look like? And what does that feel like? I talk to my stream all the time about this is what people are so used to falling in love with a significant other. They know how that feels. They know how it feels to be in love, but they mm -hmm. don't know how it feels to be in love with themselves. Or even, I, I even take it another way, they don't need, people don't even know how to make friends. So how, if you don't know how to make friends or you don't know how to be in a are you able to love on yourself? Mm -hmm. 
what does that look like? And what does that feel like to be in love with yourself? See, with me, I think that it feels like bound. It, it looks like boundaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and falling in love with myself looks like, um, you know, you used the word earlier. What did you say? You said uh, giving yourself grace is falling in love with yourself. Imagine, think about all the, you know, your exes or people that you dated and, and oh, they messed up. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'll forgive them. Or, you know, they do something and you forgive them. But with yourself, some people, some, especially young, I know my younger self held on to that. And then it just made me feel less about myself. So I want to know, how do you, when did you fall in love with yourself? And what did that look like? How does that feel to you? It was around 28, 29. And it looked like me figuring out my self-love language because a lot of people talk about their love languages but they don't talk about their self-love language Mm. and it was me being the person that I needed to be like I don't even think yeah I wasn't even in a relationship yet but I needed to fall in love with myself and create ways to keep myself accountable accountable for my own action and my own zen before I could let anyone else in. (laughs) Mm, I definitely get that. It took me so long to do that. So long, Sade, to get that to that point that I fell in love with myself. You know, that it it was, and it's almost like a light switch, almost like a light switch happened for me where Mm -hmm. I was, one day I was just like uh, letting situations, like it's that proactive versus reactive, right? So Mm -hmm. like I was, being super like just reactive and I wasn't stopping and just like proactively just taking care of myself and making the plan and and I wasn't doing any of that stuff you know um learning to love yourself is like I think people say it in such a way that's so like it's a cliche like oh you love yourself love on you like make sure you love but with this, the way that when you meet somebody who truly loves themselves, you can feel that energy and it just radiates off of them, right? Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So like uh, when we talk about loving ourselves um, and really uh, looking at our bodies and saying, you know, these are my body parts. This is my hand. This is my arm. You know, learning how to hug ourselves. We talked about that. Learning how to give ourselves those physical touch and loving on us. Um, I always come to the question because I was, I taught behavior, uh, I was taught behavior students and education um, in a behavior setting in schools. And I wanted to uh, figure out how to teach the kids how to truly love on themselves, Mm -hmm. to truly connect with who they are. and the women that the young women that would come up to me, they would have gone through trauma or uh, maybe they had their own insecurities and stuff like that was going on with them. And I think the best, my opinion was the best way to teach them how to love on themselves. I found the platform was in a sex education class. And I know that people are like, what? No, I don't, that's middle school and younger. They shouldn't be learning mm-hmm. sex education. Mm-hmm. And- you know, some people have their opinions, but I felt like that was the best place to do it because especially if it's not um, correct, like it's not both boys and girls or in a separate space, because then they're able to ask questions. They're able to see that their peers are the same, that their peers are 
uh, gone through or thinking the same things that they do, uh, then you're able to learn those tools on how to love on yourself. Um, but different people have different opinions. And I would really love to hear yours of what is your opinion on, uh, you know, first, what is your opinion on using the classroom, the sex education classroom to teach self-help and self-love as well? I think that that's interesting because there was never a type of setting like that in in the schools that I've went to as far as up to high school, like nothing like that exists and creating a safe space like that creates confidence and some um, this level of having a confidant that you can speak to like that made that would probably make making friends easier if you just <laughs> broke the, those barriers and you had those conversations like straight out the gate. Yeah. So there's this there's this book is called Existential Kink. It's from the author is actually here or used to live here in Pittsburgh. I think yeah, she's from here, and it is freaking awesome. It is about it's like what if I think my my book of the year last year like that was like the book. I must have read mm -hmm. that book like five times, <laughs> but it explains how uh, kink doesn't refer necessarily to sexual kink and that you can be kinky about things that of course are non-sexual. So, um, and I, when I think about this, I think about uh, teaching middle school and having sex education of uh, being turned on because, you know, depending on who you're teaching, of course, or not having sexual, not sexual activity, but depending on what you do, you can be turned on by things that are not sexual. Like for instance, I am so kinky and turned on by binge watching the, the circle. Oh my goodness, it's on Netflix, girl. I watch this show all the time. I, I know people are so annoyed by me talking about this show and I feel shame. I feel so much shame behind it. Like, oh my goodness, like I watch it every day. I'm not, and sometimes I don't do work and I'm just so ashamed of that. And, mm -hmm. and it spirals into uh, kind of like depression sometimes. Like, why am I doing this? And I'm overthinking. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like a space of sex, and I hate even calling this sex education. I wish they would just call it something like empowerment or uh, sexual empowerment class. Like not a sex, that sounds so formal. Right. And I believe sex education, not formal. That's why I want to include all of those things in there, like the sex part, the self-love part, the healing part after trauma or and being kinky and learning to be kinky about things that aren't sexual that are with you. Like I am so turned on by the color pink. <laughs> like I love that color. It's amazing. Like it drives me crazy, you know, and and using that and, and giving that language to uh, high school, middle school kids, mm -hmm. and so that they can understand that this is life is a turn on, life is a kink. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it'll take a level of maturity for the adults to get there to that space before the the young adults could take that on. I think it's most. I think young adults would embrace that, but I don't think the older adults are ready to embrace such uh such an idea it is a great idea because it's just taking taking the power out of words and putting them putting them somewhere else yeah right so that's the that's the thing when I'm you know I'm going to have a my next uh interview podcast whatever is with Blossom and we're going to we're actually going to be discussing the power 
of of words as in like how you can break that down and what how different words mean different things in the poetry in poetry and uh sexuality we're gonna get deep there's a it's insane but um so that is like so is learning how to change the meaning of the words or or give them different meanings right mm-hmm. so that people can um associate that with their own lives or what they're going through and how they're feeling basically like rebranding sex education sex education needs to rebrand I love that rebranding sex education that's exactly what it is though because I think that people uh even when they look at my podcast right they look at this podcast and they see and I did it on purpose I did it absolutely 100% on a purpose that I put sexual empowerment in my logo on my stuff that I do that because the first thing that people think is that, oh my goodness, she must be talking about like all types of crazy stuff on her, her app, you know, or on her live stream. She's definitely talking about, but their sex education and sexual empowerment goes so much deeper than, and excuse my French today, but learning how to have sex or do any of those crazy it's, it's so much more than learning how to tie somebody up or, or, people or, think sex education is just fits like we're just being taught the physical anatomy mm. part but no one teaches about the mental parts yes the mental and the maturity parts like if you're just teaching people about their anatomy and you're not putting any of the men, mental stuff there you're not making sure that people are mature enough to make such decisions and that's where sex education fails nowadays absolutely i i so 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 100 agree with that 100 so this little segment that we're about to look tomorrow who how do we get contact with you to help us i want you to uh tell us everything all right um you can get in contact with me on social media i can start with that you can find me on facebook at just day i didn't realize that there were screen names on facebook but <laughs> that works also you can find me on instagram also at just day unfortunately i am still on twitter um twitter is omg is just day and my blog is www.omgitsjustday.com and that's where you can find me if you're looking to publish a book. You can pretty much just hit me up on any of those social medias, but I actually have a page on my blog dedicated to people who need help writing a book. And I'm, I'm hoping to, I think I did about three last year. I'm hoping to top that and do four, including some more of my own books because I've been helping more pu- people publish books than I've been publishing my own books. Oh yeah, that's a no-go. <laughs> no, no, we got to do more work. I was wondering if you were going to, um, uh, when's the next book coming out? Are you going to, are you writing anything currently or? I'm working on my first science fiction book. It's going to be, it's going to be really good. When it's finished, I'll give it a title, but you could find my poetry books, Return to Cinder and American Hurt on Amazon. Awesome. American Hurt and Return to Cinder. I'll be doing a couple of readings this year. So you'll see me around Pittsburgh doing some readings of my books. All right. Well, it was such a pleasure to talk to you mm-hmm. and reconnect about this. This is, uh, you know, talking to the young woman, figuring out how people self-love and really having these just really informal kind of conversations 
uh, what people need to hear. I'm getting a lot of feedback from the podcast that people are just like, wow, like people I don't even know that are just like, wow, this is exactly, I just needed to be in that room. I just want to sit and listen because <laughs> I just want to be in the room. So uh, believe it or not, these I don't know if you're enough. These conversations are awesome. I, my live stream had, is enjoying it. They were sending up all types of hundreds and yes and all that good stuff. <laughs> I definitely agree with a lot of stuff you were saying. Um, I am going to stop the recording, but do not leave. I know why you're here. You want to know the cookie secrets. Don't get shy now. Join me here to learn all about the cookie. From self-love to self-pleasure. I am here to get you excited about the cookie. Let me show you, through my own journey, how hemp and cannabis can help you reconnect with your body after trauma. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe for updates on what we do at Toki Streets. Come back to learn more about the secrets of the cookies. We'll be here waiting.